Yes, I'm hitting the ground. Just running by running. the... <laughs> blimey, today. I know, Goodness I know, me. I know. Health is, health is um, um, absolute... Um, uh, uh. Can we move on? I'm just going to leave it... <laughs> I'm just going to leave it to you, except for, apparently, when it comes to these riots... Yes. If you're a triad or you've got any kind of disease, you're not allowed in. Yes, that's true. That, that we'd have to thank Elizabeth Quatt from that. Doctor. Doctor Elizabeth Quatt for that. Yeah. It's a great idea. She's going to... What is it? Put somebody they're, on the door taking... A, giving tickets, two not, free drinks. They're not allowed to wear masks. Oh, God. Anyway, maybe we'll come back to that. Um, yeah, entrance this way, exit this way. Yeah, there's a primary school I passed that might be a place <laughs> uh, to yeah, we'll come be, back to for that. that to be discussed. No, the one I'm... I'm, I'm I, I, I mean, it's amusing and it's interesting and it's all, all everything, really, that the HSBC decision um, to retain no, its headquarters... To Move on, please. <laughs> To retain its headquarters in London. I mean, I know it was always going to do that, but the thing I like <laughs> about this decision is that they took 10 months to discover how, uh, London was an international financial centre. The, the, the absolute geniuses at that bank. But but what I really like is is the Hong Kong government response, which was really, oh, we, we completely understand it. We didn't mind being a patsy in your negotiations with the British government for uh, more tax concessions and regulatory concessions because we're good at being a patsy. But what I really liked about it is because they understand the mentality of HSBC because it's exactly the same mentality of all the big tycoons here and all the big flag wavers. In other words, they all say, and this happens to be the case in HSBC, you make your money in Hong Kong and they make more money in Hong Kong than they do anywhere else on the planet. But when it comes to actually putting it in the bank and keeping it safe... I tell you what, we'll go somewhere else. So we'll keep it in London, where rule of law is guaranteed, where there's a democratic system, an elected government. We kind of, you know, we're just like you tycoons who send your kids off to overseas to get their overseas passports just in case, who've built... I thought they'd stop doing that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that wasn't allowed anymore. Sometimes I do wonder about you, Mr Sorry. Whelan, honestly. <laughs> um, um, you know, they're just the same as these tycoons. So, they, you know, they, flag, they wave the flag. They're quite happy to make money here because actually they make more money here than they can anywhere else on the planet. But when it comes to ferreting it away, they prefer to be in a democracy. They prefer to be somewhere where rule of law isn't in question. Yeah. Now, the fact of the matter is... and it. It, 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 the, the HSB's decision gets more interesting by the second. It was taken in the same week as there were very clear indications in opinion polls for what they're worth. I know they're not worth that much, but they're worth something in Britain. The, the majority of people in Britain favour Britain leaving the European Union, yeah. which HSB itself says is a very damaging thing, blah, blah, blah. But despite all of this, they still want to be in a jurisdiction which isn't Hong Kong, with its current uncertainties over rule of law, its current uncertainties over freedom of expression, etc., etc., there is actually a price to be paid for the carelessness that this administration shows over protecting Hong Kong's freedoms and Hong Kong's essential foundations in rule of law. Right. And, you know, I, I don't claim to have spoken to every international company in Hong Kong or even a, the tiniest fraction of them, but I'm picking up increasingly people saying... You know, we're going to have to think about this being here. It's, it's, it is a problem. I mean, you mean actually living, being here? Well, being here as a, as a, as a regional 
HQ or, oh, or, or whatever. No, I mean, everybody's happy to be here and make money as long as they've got the exit ticket. That's the point. So they don't want to invest too much money. Of course, the Hong Kong government, in its usual pathetic way, seemed to say, oh, well, you know, maybe they were put off by what happened in Hong Kong. Yeah, that was it. I mean, you know... That was definitely it. Oh, please. You know, this was a much bigger decision than that. What people are fundamentally worried about is whether the structure, as it exists, under one country, two systems, is going to be retained. I mean, it's not... It's not so much they're worried about what will happen in 2047 when anyway, formally, it comes what to an end. What was wrong with they're leaving it until about, then? They're actually worried about tomorrow. Yeah, I know, I know. I was thinking about this. I mean, basically, a big, big lie has been lied. If what everybody's thinking is... I mean, there's no two ways about it. Hong Kong was lied to. Yeah, I don't think... Or is it just the over, you know, being all excited well, about getting it back? And, and there was the Mr Cringeworthy factor as well that But quite seriously, this is, this is a big deal. This, this 50 yeah. years thing was... There it is. Yeah. Well, it was, it was also... I mean, it emanates from the hapless Brits and their negotiations over the Joint Declaration. I mean, the genesis of One Country, Two Systems actually emanates from, from the Joint Declaration, not from the basic law. And basic law just reflects that. And the Brits were basically going, oh, when can we get rid of it? Oh, okay, right. I have heard that. There was a very big element of when can we get rid of it. I mean, at the beginning of those negotiations, which was 1982, effectively, although they didn't formally start till 84, Hmm. the, 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 the Brits, I think, under Thatcher, had this view of maybe we'll actually try and hold on to Hong Kong. But all her people in the foreign office were going, no, Prime Minister, uh, really, it's a very tiny little place. And what we should really be doing is, you know, China is an awfully big country. I think we should really be emphasising that. And in the end, she, they, they wore her down and she said, oh, all right. Just give Percy. me the piece of paper. Yeah, give, give me, me a pen. I'll, I'll sign. <laughs> and she got poor old dead sheep Geoffrey Howe to go up to Beijing and sign the document. So anyway, my point is, just just coming back to HSBC, I love I love the perfect circle that they create because they are so in tune with the way that local tycoons behave. You know, make your money here, but you know, ferret it away somewhere else. Because whatever, however many flags we wave, saying you know we're the truest patriots since sliced bread, I think that may be a mixed metaphor, but never mind. That's all right. It works. <laughs> We, we actually don't actually really trust it. I was going to so say, what about that we don't trust yeah, them? Well, that's... I mean, you know what? And it's it's a maxim that you can follow in any any circumstance. Follow the money. Yeah. So when you see the money flowing out into places with solid foundations, you know what they really think. Well, here's the thing. I can't... I don't care a fig for what they say. Mm. HSBC, the bank, the, the old bank, colonials the bank, used to yes. call it and everything, but do you think they're going to set the precedent for what other people may do, in some way? Well, I mean, to be fair, I mean, this was actually a decision whether to move the, 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 the corporate HQ of the entire company back to Hong Kong rather than out. But I think it does strongly influence the atmosphere because, remember, there's not that many non-Hong Kong... Uh, based companies that have corporate headquarters here. But there are, particularly in the financial sector, many very, very big companies who have their Asia-Pacific headquarters here. I've got a now, they've got to be thinking about this as well. Yeah. I've got a communication here from Gloria, oh, who Gloria. says, so HSBC is more concerned about all the stuff that Steve's mentioned and would prefer to be inside a jurisdiction that gets taxed to high heaven. I'm editing well, as I go. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, Gloria, that's it, isn't it? I mean, you, people will pay. I mean, this is really interesting. People will pay 
they, they don't like paying taxes, but they will pay that bit extra for that much more security. And the blokes you're talking it's, about it's can why, afford it anyway. You know, it's why people buy Rolls Royces and not not not, not, not little Toyotas. Why dogs? Because they're not mm. the same. Yeah. Yeah. One is better than the other. I wonder what the knock-on might be on this one. But actually, you know, when I just said to you, do you mean people, and you said companies, but, I mean, I've had a lot of people saying, oh, I'm really thinking of pulling, well, pulling the pin on this I mean, place. In, in, in the case of the very rich in, uh, in Hong Kong, they, they do it with their companies, and, of course, they do it with their people because that's why their sons and daughters are sent overseas for education so they can establish a foothold in, name a country, America, anyway. name a country, Britain, um... Because, you know, it's going to be... It's there as the safety net. They're not moving tomorrow. Of course they're not. So what about all this stuff about send your children to China, education in China, blah, 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 yeah. don't go Give overseas? Give me a list of all the big tycoons... Well, exactly, ty- no, no. exactly. Give me a list of all the big tycoons in, in, in Hong Kong who sent their children for university education in China. And, oh, my God, I'm, I bet looking, you David, a, I'm looking at a blank sheet. I bet, you, I bet you, if you go to David Webb's site... There's a whole list of people that have done just, you know, that have, that have that gone have overseas. Not done that. Yeah. Oh, gone overseas. Yes, I was going to say the list of Tycoon's children currently studying for university in China. I imagine would fill a blank sheet very easily. So what? You know, I'm being thick here, but why say it? We all know. We all know what really is happening. Because they're a bunch of hypocrites. It's, I mean, the chief executive of Hong Kong. I mean, this is a staggering thing. The chief executive of Hong Kong does not trust the local university system to educate his children. The last chief secretary, chief, sorry, chief executive of Hong Kong, <laughs> the last chief executive of Hong Kong, uh, now facing criminal charges, Donald Chung, did not trust the local education system to educate his children. The first chief executive of Hong Kong, Tung Chi not only didn't trust the local education system, but all his children are American citizens. Go figure. See, the thing is there, it's all very well what we hear in press conferences and blah-de-blah and all that stuff, but when people have their own children to look out, they are going to do what they consider to be the best for them, whether, well, they're, whether they're red, blue or purple or I, something I, in between. I, frankly, I don't blame them, but if they're going to do that, they should at least have the decency to say the reason they're doing that is because they have their doubts about the fundamental strength of the system and its long liberty. I think people who have children have every right on earth to do what is best for their families. Yeah. But don't say, oh, for you lot, you know. <laughs> um, I was going to use an expletive, but we're not supposed to do that on radio. But for, for the rest of you lot, you can go and get um, yeah, lost. Um, happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we have... It takes us on to another thing. Oh, the question, the question here would be, um, has this just happened, shall we say, well, really, over the past couple of months, the real upward curve? I, I, would, think it's, I would think it's a trend that's actually longer than that but but did the events surrounding the um uh, the booksellers that's um, the big controversy mega, did I that th- did that did that um push another button if you want my take on it it is that it, it that it did it, it ramped it up quite a big level but i think there was an underlining sorry an underlying feeling yeah. that this was going to be a very bad thing anyway mm. Do you see that? I know you're not superstitious, but you can't help. Th- so a monkey died at Ocean Park on Chinese New Year's Eve. All this hoo-ha happened in Mongkok. And if you were if you were a necromancer or whatever yeah. it is, you'd be going ballistic by now, yeah, wouldn't you? know the name of the monkey. Whatever, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. But it could have been the person who negotiated the ocean, the ocean Park deal. <laughs> but what do you reckon? Yeah. Wouldn't you be I going know. nuts I, by now? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that kind of... I know you're not. Feng Shui... 
oriented but uh, you know let's stick to to the bad stuff that's happening yeah so anyway let's move a little bit to the moncock uh, yeah what do you call it i mean technically well if you're if you're writing in the south china morning post you have to call it a violent riot if you're um a, wasn't 67 a disturbance uh, that was a small <laughs> Please not. You know the fact that over sixty people died in sixty-seven. That that certainly makes it a smaller event than than what happened in Mongkok when nobody died. I'm not saying, incidentally, I'm not saying that the Mongkok um, no, it's not violence good. You don't wasn't want... serious. But but hey, apples and pears here. Mm. They ain't the same. But the fact of the matter is that the really sinister thing, which is now coming into the lexicon of describing this is what's coming out of the mainland and of course is being echoed by all the usual you know monkeys here is this is a separatist event now Definitely. in china that's very serious because there's only three groups of people who've been labeled as separatists that's the uyghurs in xinjiang that's the tibetans in tibet and that's the taiwanese now in the case of the language of the uyghurs and the tibetans once you've described people as being separatists all gloves are off you know including the gloves that stop demonstrators being killed in the streets which stop any form of um judicial process for people who are opponents of the government of course in taiwan it, it who who are deemed as separatists and indeed are separatists because they? <laughs> they're, they're operating a separate system so that in that case it's a factually correct description um you know there, there was a there was a war and there was bombardment of the island. So to compare the people in Hong Kong, who are in the democratic movement, that's what really they're saying, is that everybody who's opposed to the government here is a separatist. Mm. Now, the actual number of people in the democratic movement who believe in Hong Kong independence, I would say, is minuscule. You don't hear a lot of it. You really don't. Not in fact, from most people, that side. <laughs> most people I know in the democratic movement would be very offended by the idea. They regard themselves as being Chinese patriots. So, I mean, I know it's a little factoid, and facts shouldn't be allowed to get in the way of a story. After all, we're journalists. But the fact of the matter is that, that they, they're conveniently using this brush of separatism mm. to paint anyone they don't like. Still in with Steve Vines. Well, well, we're still here, aren't we? Um, I, I, I was um, very, um, how can I put it? I was very excited. Excited? I was very excited say. to learn that at the um, Executive Council this week, this very week... Oh, yeah, right. This is a cracker. This is good. They've decided, because they, 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 they've got a lot on their plate, that one of the most pressing things for them to do is to up the level of expenses you're allowed to dish out if you're running for the post of chief executive now apparently at the moment you've got a maximum there's a ceiling of 13 million bucks on that and they're going to put it up to 15.7 million so it's kind of reaching a level where i might consider joining the race i think they just did it to dangle I, you a I carrot think that is because he's plainly not going to go for it again uh, i don't agree with that <laughs> I, I, about, I think our boy CY is very interested in going for it again. But, I mean, what they're basically saying is, um, let's make sure that the bloke with the big bucks, and it will be a man, they don't do women in these sort of jobs, um, um, will, you know, will be rewarded in heaven, or as it's known in common parlance, Beijing. See, the way it's going at the moment... the decision isn't made here, of yeah, course. I, I don't know this 
absolutely I don't know this, but there's a possibility that if that happens, what went down in Moncock will look like an afternoon at Chuck E. Cheese compared to what's ahead. You mean if CY um, is ordained to to be chief executive again and is, <laughs> and I have to laugh, elected by the 1,200 people who will do as they're told, well, most of them will do as they're told. Yeah, I mean, I imagine the response to that will not be good. The timing is just it's, splendiferous. It's really not good. But mind you, mind you, careful what you wish for, because there is worse. There are other people. Who well, I could know that's the point. You see, that's into that going to give him. The- but remember, I mean, the whole problem with this process is that it just isn't decided in Hong Kong. I mean, you it's know, re- it, it, it will. Well, I don't know whether they made a decision up north, but but the fact of the matter is that that anybody who can read, write, possibly listen as well must by now have realised that the monkeys will do as they're told on the election committee if they're told that's very unfair, the designated though, I, I know that's that is unfair isn't it and i apologize in advance sorry but all right then. i've got my fingers crossed <laughs> um, but the fact of the matter is you know is the level of thinking up there where these decisions are made conducive to in any way embracing what people in hong kong want and question mark must must exist over that i think that they will more than likely go for CY again. And let's see what that pro- consequences that produces. I can't think of any of that are good. That reminds me of something. I heard it in our news, which, which is, once again, it may be the way it was written in various news outlets. But he says what happened in Moncock was definitely not the people of Hong Basically, it's not the collective opinion or, or sentiment of the people of Hong Kong. Well, that may be the case, but how do you know? How do you really, really, beyond any shadow well, of a doubt, know? the best way know? of finding out is to hold an election, actually. <laughs> You're right, actually. Yeah, that's the best I way don't. of finding out. I mean, you know, I mean, and it, it is true, and I strongly believe this, that most people in Hong Kong do not like to see violence on the streets. No, so, I mean, of course so we not. So we can set that aside. Then there's the question of, you know, why was there violence on the streets? Why is the atmosphere in Hong Kong being increasingly poisonous and you know they've bravely decided that they don't want to talk about those things all they want to talk about is whether we can get a new a new Bridge. tank or a new you know no a new set of equipment to put oh, down right. riots yeah, 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 yeah. well you know good good luck with all of that if your sole focus on solving political and social problems is to get a bigger water cannon and a bigger armoured vehicle and a bigger this and a bigger that it Way to go. <laughs> I've got an email here from Alan, who quite rightly... He, he, I've, I said a word, I've just chucked something out there this morning. He goes, Phil, a necromancer is one who uses death to perform black magic. A geomancer is a feng shui practitioner, just as magical and superstitious, but no blood sacrifice required. And then he says, though, since the monkey died, maybe you were right. <laughs> Thanks very much, Alan. Always a pleasure to read your stuff out. It's Morning Brew at rthk.hk. Back to where you were, Steve. Now, this, oh, I was th- going to talk about necromancy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this, this thing about... Um, the, the, the blanket statements, it always puzzles me. The blanket statements, you know, any ad person will tell you you can only put in an advert, although maybe that's changed, what's factually absolutely correct. Well, or you follow Herr Goebbels and... and well, not his adverts, though. Uh, well, no, but Herr Goebbels' great line um, was, you know, if you repeat the big lie often True. enough, people start to believe it. There's two sides of that coin. Um... There is such a thing as truth in advertising. Don't laugh out there. And people, you know, will in the end go, 
well, that's a crap product. The fact that they're advertising it doesn't make it any more wonderful. Yeah. But there is also, you know, if if you're told that, that you know, this washing powder washes whiter a number, sufficient number of times, it is possible you will actually start to believe it. I- now, they obviously believe in the Hong Kong administration that once you've got a line, and the line LTT. now is... The, the old line, incidentally, used to be that um, uh, the reason why we... We, we don't want anything to change here is because it will undermine economic prosperity. That used to be the line, and it was trotted out with such frequency. I go to sleep every time I think about it. You know, political progress means lack of lack of economic progress, as though they were two sides of a different coin. I don't quite understand what historical comparisons they're drawing there. But anyway, that was the line. Mm. But now they're saying, oh, boy, Paul, we don't have to say that anymore. We can start to question the very fundamentals of Hong Kong's existence, i.e. rule of law, freedom of expression. And what we can say is, if you advocate democracy or advocate any kind of change, yep. you are advocating violence. And that's, that's the new line. To take. I found the thing I was looking for, Steve. Oh, and this, this is in quotation marks. So it's a news item from a couple of days back from RTHK. The C's defended the government's decision not to set up an independent inquiry into the cause of the clashes that erupted in Mongkok last week. It's a PhD. That's not an inquiry, goodness me. But the quote here says, we cannot generalise the incident and think that the actions are extreme demands of more than 60 rioters is the problem with the whole of society. They do not represent Hong Kong society and definitely do not represent Hong Kong youth. So it's very general. Well, but it's also evading the central... I mean, this is the classic, you know, talk about X by talking about Y. You know, the issue isn't whether um, these people were representative of... The people on the streets of Hong Kong were representative of the whole of Hong Kong. They were a reflection of something that's going on in Hong Kong. Yeah. <clears throat> That's the crucial point. And well done, Chief Executive, for ignoring it. Good morning to Gareth. He says, regarding CY's statement, putting forward a conclusion as a premise is notoriously lousy logic that any third former should be able to see through. Yeah. Ain't that the fact? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is... Maybe this is I mean, I was going to say, maybe this is newspeak. You've got a benefit of the doubt, this. Well, I mean, you know, it's... In, in a sense, um, you, you, you see what tools still remain in the shed for these people who, who really don't want Hong Kong to move on in any political or social way. And they kind of know, I think they more than kind of know, they do know that the majority of Hong Kong people are very wedded to Hong Kong's fundamental principles, freedom, freedom of expression, rule of law. So they can't attack that directly. But what they want to do is use the violence of an excuse as an excuse to undermine these pillars that keep Hong Kong Pillocks. society standing. <laughs> They're called pillars. And, you know, so they, they say, oh, well, freedom of expression unless you say this and that. Rule of law unless you do this and that. These are not qualified statements. You either believe in rule of law, you either believe in freedom of expression, or you don't. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. But up to now, they've been rather shy in mentioning this. Let's chuck politics out for a second and talk chronology. I mean, this was an interesting one. If you sat down and said to yourself, how on earth did that thing flare up so ridiculously quickly? We know these geezers wanted to sell fish balls and stuff. We know that the food and in hide, you know, the Jobsworths mm. came along. And then what? Well, I mean, I it's, mean, it's there, just there, interesting. There, as you know, there are many, many theories flying around about on, this. On day one of Chinese... Well, there's, there's the theory that... Um, 
the fishbowl uh, the fishbowl inspectorate were mobilized along with the other uh, other forces of the militia because this is the first time that CY's actually spent Chinese New Year in in Hong Kong which as chief executive which happens to be true and you know the the weasels wanted to impress the boss that they weren't slacking on the job there's mm. that theory there's the theory that agent provocateurs who are essentially in the pay of the Chinese Communist Party wanted to get this out on the streets because yeah. it was a good way of doing things. There's also the cock-up theory, which, you know, you can never discount, you know, that simply things just got out of control and a bunch of idiots were involved. I want to read out it's something now from Brian, who writes in, and he basically gives me a few lines of what people... T- tend to be saying. Let's see what Brian has to say. He said, regular visitors to Moncock have seen lack of enforcement action against and even protection of illegal soliciting by Daimar, the old ladies dancing yeah. and stuff, who are apparently on the game, whatever. Well, uh, they then, den- I would say they deny it, but <laughs> <don't> mind, <laughs> What do yeah. you know? Um, they have seen lack of enforcement action against mainland-backed anti-Falun Gong thugs, as in that famous schoolteacher incident. They have seen lack of responsibility for a p- policeman actually filmed beating people indiscriminately. They have seen paid thugs who attack protesters not arrested or even placed lovingly into cabs to go home, all within a few streets of the clashes he finishes off respect is earned well that's a fairly conventional viewpoint i must say yeah i mean i i i don't think a commission of inquiry would get to the precise details of why things happened in moncock as they did but you know if you're talking about the more general malaysian society i don't know whether a commission of inquiry actually would do the job but the, the simple thing of you know occasionally listening to what the people say it's not it's not terrible you know it does kind of work i tell you what though everybody's talking about this as though it's not going to happen again I, really it's mm. not good no, to be I, pessimistic I hear people talking about it that it is going to happen again unfortunately oh, yeah right. talk tv for a few minutes uh, interesting thing yesterday, uh, you know, the uh, Ricky Wong, etc., HKTV, and, of course, we've got uh, ATV about doing to their top, thing. About to topple over, I think. I mean, it, it, talk about The Walking Dead. I mean, there's, there's a channel. You know, they don't have news broadcasts anymore. You mainly watch reruns of old programmes and CCTV programmes. It is The Walking Dead. Yeah. Well, it's look, as simple as that. Here's one from yesterday. It says a lawyer representing the government has defended the Executive Council's decision to refuse Wiki, Ricky Wong a free-to-air licence. The administration is appealing against a ruling by a court first instance judge last April. You know the story, but the headline here says it all. This is the too appeal many by t- Ricky Wong, yeah. isn't it? The headline here says too many TV stations not viable argues government. How can we have too many TV stations? Well, well, what about one not being viable? Well, that seems... Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I mean, this is all Horlicks. It really is. You know, if, if the government really believes that they're not viable, they will give them a licence and they'll let them fail. See, the it's lot, as simple as that. Lot, it really is. It uh, doesn't cost the public... Per- Say Ricky Wong was actually allowed to launch Hong Kong TV as a terrestrial station. He's already got his content, which is one thing I can assure. He's got more content than ATV has, that's a fact. But say he launched it and it didn't work. So what? What does the public lose? I, I have yet to hear from anybody in the government explaining what is the public peril in all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can understand if they're doing what they are doing, in fact, and saying that once a station collapses, 
as in the case of ATV, they're suddenly going to get the public broadcaster, RTHK, to take on its responsibilities. It's in that, the, that, it's that, in that the that works. Does, well, that does cost money and it does need to be done. And it takes but up that, an immense amount of time. I'm sure it does. But the fact of the matter is, if, if a pack of other people think that they can, you know, provide a service, the essential thing is to provide choice, surely. It's not, not to think what what role the public broadcaster should be playing in all of this. It should Public broadcasters should be part of the mix, not the mix. It's just, it leaves you scratching your head because here we have uh, a peg with Ricky Wong's name on it and we have a hole with ATV's yeah, name uh, on it. Uh, and, you know, but I've missed uh, something uh, here. Uh, and and if, if I was a lawyer in this case, which thank God I'm not, I would just say to whichever weasel they put up from the government, will you say your broadcasting policy is a success? Uh just give us an example of how it's succeeding. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to an stop. Let's go to an email here from Nigel. Turn back a topic, but oh, I want to get it going in. Back, are we? Yeah, going back. Right. Nigel, morning. As masks will be banned at protests, should we now buy burkas? He says. I think he's taking the mickey. Uh, is it possible that the Moncox stuff was set up by Beijing in order to enact more laws to curb our freedoms, just like the USA after nine eleven? Well, yeah. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. These rumours that agent provocateurs were mobilized to to it did seem prevent, to come from nowhere didn't to prevent a level sorry to to create a level of violence that then got the response that it's now getting but the only s- i mean the only real beneficiary out of this yeah. it certainly isn't the people who are fighting for democratic change in hong kong at the moment the only real beneficiary of these rights and it's hard to talk about beneficiaries of rights but whatever is the people who use it as an excuse to stop progress. So they're, they're, they're sitting pretty. People talk about paid thugs and this, that and the other, but on the face of it, what happened was, as I just said, uh, some blokes with clipboards came along, then the fuzz got involved, and so where does the notion of thuggery come into it at the early stages of this? Well, there wasn't. That's the point. Did there they wasn't. just spontaneously... No, did it, they get tardis in or something? No, I think what happened was that the after the um, food and environment and blah, blah, blah people... Uh, you know, wielded their clipboards, hmm. and the uh, what do you call it? The, the the hawkers said, "Well, you know, well, how come this year it's different from all other years?" Um, and then they called the police. Then the I mean, the thing just sort of ramped up, ramped up. Then the um, uh, people in the area thought, "Oh, I tell you what, we'll support the hawkers." You know, it then became a bit of a disturbance. And then, as we know, the real escalation came after the policeman fired these two live bullets to protect one of his colleagues who he thought was in danger. Whether he should have done that or not, I think needs to be discussed. But the fact of the matter is it was that that really Kicked got people off. out into the streets. Yeah, yeah. A lot of this is about contradictions. Uh, morning here to Julia. She says, Co says the patrols were only doing normal patrols. He also said they had 200 complaints about them that day. Those two things would seem to contradict each other. Thank you, Julia. See what I mean? Well, that is, that's, that's a very perceptive point. Because if all was normal and suddenly you're saying there's more complaints than normal, which, which bit of that isn't normal in normal 